There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. So back on your ring, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Re'ei, Tov, Shin, an incredibly warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us and making us part of your life on this beautiful, beautiful Erev Shabbos as you prepare for a monumental Shabbos. Shabbos, Mavarchim, Mavchodesh, El, or Shoshon is only five weeks away. We need to do so much and the Pasha awakes us to this. See, I'm putting before you today a blessing and a curse. Now, noticeably, the Pasuk, as we begin with the Re'e, singular, C, and then it continues with Lifnechem, before you, which is the plural. Now, the Chasam Sefer brings a Gemara in Kedushin, Daf Mem who teach every person has to view himself, not only himself, but the entire world, as being half guilty and half meritorious. One mitzvah that a person can perform can tip the scales to the side of merit. And chas shalom, if he commits one aver, however, he tips the scale both, right? The, uh, uh, personally, and globally to, to the side of, of guilt. Thus, it comes out of the way every single act one does, one has to ask himself, do I really want to do this? With this act, I might be destroying myself and the entire world. For this reason, the Re'e, C, speaks to the individual. In your mind, you shall always be cognizant of your awesome responsibility. Right? What you do can affect the future of the entire world. It is not only about you. Every action has a compelling effect on the entire world. Yaakov Galinsky quotes the famous words, of Yoyna Hanavi during that terrible, terrible storm at sea, right, which endangered the ship upon which he was traveling. The captain woke him up and to, to, to cast lots that would determine the identity of who was it that was the catalyst for this whole, who was responsible for this, for this terrible, terrible threatening storm. And of course the lot came up with Yoyna's name. Yoyna then revealed his story. He was running away because he refused to carry out his mission to Ninveh. When the sailors heard this, so they became even more frightened. Yoyna told them not to worry. Pick me up and cast me into the sea so that the sea will subside from upon you. For I know that it is because of me that this mighty storm is has come upon you. Yaina Hanavi <coughs> was teaching us that one can never be certain that his mitzvahs and positive acts of chesed right, will be sufficiently protected. Thus, a person has to live by the sort of the, the, the credo, right? It's always because of me that this mighty storm is, is upon us. I am, it could be that my actions are what's causing all the terrible things in the world. The Magad continues with the, 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 the obligation to daven for others. Not only will we be judged for our own shortcomings, but also for those of others whom, had we cared about them, would not have sinned. Right? Caring not be actual sort of 
uh, endeavoring, like, like teaching them or inspiring them or spending time with them or being involved with them. It can simply mean something as simple as dominating on behalf of other people. If someone we know is greatly ill, we would certainly daven. So why not daven before they even become ill? Why wait? Daven for every year when you daven. Think about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All yin should be tzafridin. All yin should be healthy. All yin should be happy. All yin should be successful. All yin should find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their lives. That should be part of our daily tefillah. Then we're showing that I don't feel just responsible for myself. I want to do what I can for the entire world. This is what 1.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Re'e, Tav, Shin, Per, Gimel, Mavoch, and Chodesh, Chodesh, Elo. We are going to bench for Chodesh this week for Chodesh, Elo. Rosh Hashanah is literally five weeks away. It's time to wake up. It's time to realize what we want to do with our, our lives. And what are we going to think about? What do you want to work on? What do you want to develop? And of course, though the ticket for us to be able to get into Olam Haba, the ticket for us to be able to get what we want out of life is of course the performance of mitzvahs. But we can't always do mitzvahs. So listen to this concept. There's a Gemara in Saita, Daf Yudalid, that we spoke about this once. The question is, and the, and the Gemara deals with the question, why was it, and we discussed this two weeks ago in Pashas Vashana, why was it that Moesha Abenu so much wanted to enter into Eretz Israel? What was it? What was so great about being Moesha Abenu had achieved everything a human being could possibly have achieved. The Imam she spoke face to face with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in his honor and, and, and glory. He had done miracles. He had shepherded the entire Jewish nation from the land of Egypt all the way to the outskirts of Eretz Israel. What do you want? I think more awesome. What was it that Moshe Ben was so desirous to go into Eretz Yisrael. V'chilecho mipiria u'tzorech? Moshe Benu wanted to eat sabras? Did he need to eat the fruit of, of Eretz Yisrael? Right? Oy, l'spoya mitubu u'tzorech? Moshe Benu had to go to, to Uri's pizza and, and whatever falafel. Was that was that what Moshe Benu wanted from, from Eretz Yisrael? Elokach omah Moshe Benu. Moshe said as follows. Many, many mitzvahs the Jewish nation was commanded to do. They can only be fulfilled in Eretz Yisrael. Let me go in to the land so that I will be able to fulfill all the mitzvahs for it's all the mitzvahs that can only be fulfilled by a Jew in the land of of of, of Eretz Yisrael. Hashem says to him, Kalum What you only want to go in there if you can do the mitzvahs and get the reward for having done the mitzvahs. Malan I'm going to consider it for you, ki ilo asisim. As if you did all the mitzvahs. You worried about getting the reward for all those mitzvahs that can only be done there to show? Don't worry about that. I'm going to give you the reward as if you did, as if you did the mitzvahs. This Gemara seems very, very difficult because we have a, a standing rule that the Gemara presents. Or at the very beginning, in Brochus on Davav, it says that Choshav Lassus Mitzvah, if a person thought and considered and wanted and planned to do a mitzvah, the nenas, and due to circumstances beyond his control, the lawyer saw he was unable to do the mitzvah, the Torah considers it as if he did it. So therefore, Moish Rabbeinu 
in his thought process, or he wanted nothing more than to fulfill the mitzvahs that are dependent on, on being in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, it should have been considered for him as if he already fulfilled them. So why did he desire so much to go actually into Eretz Yisrael to fulfill the mitzvahs in actuality? The fact that he planned to, that he wanted to, that he thirsted for it, that he yearned for it, was enough. That already got him the reward for, for, cause, cause if your person wants to do the mitzvah and do the, do the circumstance beyond his control, in this case, Hashem's refusal to allow him to go there to show, that's what stopped him from doing it. No! So he's gonna get all the reward for doing it, right? What was, what was, why did he actually feel the need to step foot? In, in, in it. So why couldn't he, if it was reward, he was going to get rewards. So in order to understand this, to, to really understand this whole concept, that if a person thought to do a mitzvah, and because of circumstances that he couldn't control, he wasn't able to do it, it's considered as if he did it. So we need to understand, and, and many, many of our, of, of our acharonim dealt with this question, and it's a, it's, it, it becomes a point of, of controversy, uh, uh, regarding this whole concept of what we call oinus. Things that happen to a person that's, do no fault of his own, don't allow him to do what he wants to do. When we say that I, I wanted to do a mitzvah, and I couldn't, I really was up, I was dressed, I was going to go to shul this morning and I don't know, there was load shedding and I couldn't open the gate and, and, and get out. How do we understand such a status? Is it considered as if you did the mitzvah, as if you went and davened to shul? Or is it, no, you get reward, but you still cannot be considered as someone who actually did the mitzvah. The, the source of this actual dispute is interesting enough. A Gemara in 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 the Yerushalmi, in the seventh parak of of Gittin. In fact, the 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 Ran brings it in in Maseches in Maseches Kedushin, and he says Le'inyan uh, regarding the following discussion. Let's say a person married a a woman. And the, the, the condition was given with a condition attached. I'm, I'm going to marry you on condition that I will give you some money, I'll give you something. And again, uh, for circumstances that, that whatever was way beyond his control, he was not able to fulfill the condition. He didn't be given the money. Right? You married a woman, let's say, on the condition that, as Gemara talks about, I'm going to come to your house and, and marry you by a certain day. And because of a traffic jam, whatever, he wasn't able to get there on that particular day. So in the Gemara, the Amoram argue. Rabbi Yochanan says, Unso command the if a person has a situation of an oinus beyond the circumstances, it's not considered as if he's done the mitzvah. And Rav Shimon, Ren Lagrish Lokish says, Oinsa commander of it. It's considered as if he's actually done the mitzvah. Now, according to Rav Yechran, it's considered as if he didn't do the mitzvah, even though that the fact that he didn't do the mitzvah was completely beyond his control. It was the oinus that caused him not to be able to do the mitzvah. And therefore, she's not mekudoshes. He, he, he married her on, based on the fulfillment of the condition. He never fulfilled the condition. I don't care about the fact that it was beyond his control to have fulfilled it. He didn't fulfill the condition. Therefore, the marriage does not take place. And according to Ashlokish, no. Since it was beyond his control, it's considered as if he actually fulfilled the condition. Since it was actually the circumstances that held him back from fulfilling the condition. 
and therefore the girl is considered married. Right? And the, uh, the bottom line of the Gemara is that we paskin like Rabbi Yochanan. That in the case of circumstance beyond the control, it's considered as if the mitzvah was never, was never done. And this, in fact, the, the Boyska and the Shach brings down also in, uh, in, in Chashmishpat, La'alacha, and he adds even, even, even more, he says, in spite of the fact that the principle is that Oynes Rachmona Patre, in the case of Oynes, the Torah exempts you, but that's only in a situation where it's relevant to the person himself, but not in what is relevant to obligate someone else. In other words, if you married this woman and it was dependent on you fulfilling a particular condition, you never fulfill the condition. Therefore, she is not obligated to bind herself to you in marriage. I don't care what the reason was why you didn't fulfill the condition. At the end of the day, the condition was did not materialize, and therefore, the marriage is not a marriage. She is not obligated to attach herself to you. And that is actually the halacha. We'll come back and discuss this a bit more after the break. This one more point in. The program is Soul for Soul. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Air of Shabbos, Kedish, Pashas, Re'ei, Tuf, Shin, Pei, Gimel. We are talking about Moshe Rabbeinu's great desire to go to Eretz Yisrael to do the mitzvahs. And we're asking, why do you in fact need to, if you wanted so much to go to Israel, and we have a principle that someone really wants to do something and is prevented because of circumstances beyond his control from doing it. He gets credit as if he did the mitzvah. So Moshe Benin didn't need to go. He wanted to go. He surely described by 550 times davening. He surely described that he wanted to go. <clears throat> so what is it that is necessary. We need a good definition of this whole concept and we'll learn something very, very relevant to us from, from it. So, the, regarding this whole concept of if a person thought to do a mitzvah and because of onus, because of circumstances beyond control, he wasn't able to do it. So, how do we understand that the Torah considers it as if he did it? Because we brought before the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, who holds that if a person is, if a circumstance beyond control occur, that a person cannot fulfill what he said he's going to do, what he said he's going to set out to do, it's as if he didn't do it. So how can he get reward as if he did the mitzvah, if it's considered like he didn't do it according to Rabbi Yochanan? So this is actually a question that the Chassam Seifer uh, asks, according to the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, and his, he argues on, on the contrary. Chazal said that if someone thinks to do a mitzvah and due to an oinus was not able to do it, so that we say that the Torah considers it as if he did it. In other words, we're saying in this statement that an oinus is considered as if he actually did the Misa in, 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 in reality. And therefore, it says that this is one of the great kindnesses of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to those that desire to do the will of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But he says, it's, uh, according to Rav Yochanan, that wouldn't actually be the Halacha. And in fact, the Chassosofa brings it elsewhere in his Chidushim on the uh, on, on the Torah, he says that even though the halacha is like Rabbi Yochanan, right, uh, 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 that an oinus is as if considered as if you never did the the activity, and in the case we gave before of the man who married a woman on a condition and was again unable to fulfill the condition because of circumstance beyond his control. So we pass in that the condition is not a good condition because he didn't do the the he didn't do what he said he was gonna do, even though it was beyond his con- his control. Right? So nevertheless, when it comes to the mitzvahs of Hashem, 
in his great kindness and his great compassion that Hashem does for us all the time, Hashem is the creed. That when it comes to us doing mitzvahs, if we want to do the mitzvah and beyond our control we couldn't do it, we consider it as if he did it. But nevertheless, if he does have the potential later on or the ability later on to do it, he has to do the, 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 the mitzvah. Now, what comes out of this incredible statement of the Chasm Sefer is that Hashem has done this tremendous kindness uh, uh, with us, even though that, that the halacha really is that if a person is prevented from doing something because of an oinus, it's considered as if he didn't do it. But when a, a yid wants to, and, and has a drive and a desire to fulfill a, a certain mitzvah, and because of an oinus, right, he's not able to fulfill it, the chesed HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done with us, and it considers it as if he actually did the mitzvah. And then we can understand another chasm cipher in Meseches Chulin. The Gemara Chulin says, on daf Zayin, right, it happened with a certain person that he did an act of shkita. He slaughtered an animal. And as he was about to do it, his friend came. We know that there's certain uh, uh, types of shkita, that there's a mitzvah afterwards of covering the blood, called kisri adam, covering the blood. So he did the shkita, and then someone else ran ahead and covered the blood for him. And Ram Gamliel made him pay him ten gold coins. And the Chasam Sefer writes there, it, it would seem that the the uh, the not it's not that the ten gold coins was somehow the the, the value of of the of, of, of the mitzvah. Chalilo, who could possibly uh, uh, try to imagine and try to evaluate the value of of, of a mitzvah? Right? There's nothing in the world, nothing in the world, not everything in the world that could equate to the value of what of one mitzvah. And, and besides that, he says, uh, what does he need to, to pay him? His loss, right? But well, he, he didn't lose anything because the person of Dishrita certainly intended and wanted to do the mitzvah. And because of uh, for, forces beyond his control, i.e. this other person's alacrity in jumping in and doing the mitzvah, that's what stopped him from doing, from doing the mitzvah. So it should be considered as if, as if he did it. So this person who grabbed the mitzvah from him, he didn't cause him to lose anything. He's gonna get credit for the mitzvah anyway because he wanted to, he wanted to do it. So, we understand now there's a difference. There's a great distinction between someone who does a mitzvah and for that gets rewards, as opposed to a person who wanted to do a mitzvah and wasn't able to do it, and gets a reward. Why? Because the person that actually did the mitzvah, so he served HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he did it, presumably, with great joy, and, and with a great spirit of generosity, and, and he gets reward not only for the act of the mitzvah, but for all his enthusiasm, all his joy, all his alacrity, all his desire in doing the mitzvah. A person who due to forces beyond his control and was not able to do the mitzvah, so he feels sorry and upset about the fact that he was not Zoyche to serve to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and therefore he gets shar in, in, in Shemayim because of his pain that he didn't get to do the mitzvah. So it comes out that even though as far as the, the schar in, in Shemayim is concerned, there's no great difference, but nevertheless, the, 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 the one is suffering because he couldn't do a mitzvah, and, and, and the other one has the simcha of actually doing the mitzvah. For that, Ram Gamliel punished him ten zehuvim, because that was the, the, that is a measurable amount of the pain he caused him by now that he was upset by the fact that he couldn't actually do the mitzvah. So it comes out is that in reality, the actual reward for the mitzvah is no distinction whether in fact he did the mitzvah in, 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 in real terms, 
between someone who wanted to do a mitzvah and because of an oynis was not able to do it. Because even the person who was forced not to do the mitzvah, because let's say in the case of the shechita, where this other person came and grabbed the mitzvah from him, so he'll get the full reward as if he did the mitzvah. As, as we said, because uh, 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 when it comes to, to, to doing the, the, the mitzvahs, so uh, uh, it, even though it's considered an oinus as if he didn't do it, right? But the, the, the payment that Rabbi Gamaliel made him pay was because that the pain he suffered by being robbed of the mitzvah, that's what he needed to be compensated for. It's interesting though that uh, in other sources, in the Shuvas uh, Amasham, he brings down that when it says that, that we consider it as if he did the mitzvah, so it's k, it's like what we call the kafa dimyan. It's it's similar. It's similar to it, as in fact the the chasam the chacham tzvi brings down in in various places. In other words, it's not exactly totally as if he actually. Did, did the mitzvah. Now, there's more in, in Baba Basha, Nafiyud. He brings, uh, the, the, regarding, uh, a woman called Ifra Hurmiz, who was the mother of Shavar Malka, the king of Persia. That she sent 400 dinar to Rav Ami to distribute for tzedakah. But he refused to accept the money from, from her. But however, Rava did accept the money from her because he wanted to keep uh, good political relations with, with the king. And Avami was very upset at, at Rava for doing it. Right? Uh, the, the Gemara at the, at the beginning explains the opinion of Rav Ami why he refused to accept the money from, from, from the, from the, the queen mother. By the fact that it's also, because the Pasuk says, Pasuk says, uh, kishavarna, which Rav Ami said, if in fact you, you have no choice, you're forced to accept money because of Shalom Malchus, so the, the, the only thing you can really do with the money is to distribute it to non-Jewish poor people. You can't use it for Jews, but at the end of the Gemara, and that was in fact Rava's opinion. Also, he took the money, and what Rav Ami was upset about Rava was that he accepted the money in in the first place, and 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 that the reason he did it was because Rav Ami didn't understand that Rava, in fact, at the end, used the money not to be distributed to Jews, but to but to non-Jews. Rashi, when he is explaining the prohibition of accepting charity money from a non-Jew, brings down, he says that when the, the, uh, the merit, the schus, uh, that the, that the, uh, that the guy has will be used up, that's what it means, uh, in, in the Pasuk, um, the Yovesh Kitsira, when, when it's dried up, the, the zechus, right? And then, uh, then, yeshabu. In other words, he was worried. Uh, if you accept money from, from a non-Jew, then they get a tremendous, a tremendous zechus. Because this maiset stalker raises the, the, the merit that non-Jews have. And therefore, we should withhold from them the right to do the mitzvah. Because only through a, a, a kind of a denying non-Jews the right to tzedakah, so then we'll have the right, the ability to to overcome overcome them. But of course, the question, obvious question that is raised, uh, uh, surely if if uh, Ilfa Himza had a tremendous desire to give money to Rav Ami, in spite of the fact that Rav Ami refused Right? Uh, and, and, uh, and, or at the end she gave it to, to, to Rava. So it doesn't make a difference. Even though he gave the money at the, at the end of the day to poor people who were non-Jews, 
still, still, right? That must still be a a merit for 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 the for the going because since Harait Salas's mitzvah, she wanted, she intended that the money should be in, uh, distributed to Jewish poor people. So she wanted to do a mitzvah, and because of Ravami and Rava's ultimate refusal to distribute it to to Jews, she uh, was robbed of the ability to do a mitzvah against her will. And therefore, surely, surely the rules should apply that the apostle considers it as if she actually did the mitzvah. Right? If we, however, accept the explanation of the Chasim Seifer, that it's a chesed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does with the human being who wanted to fulfill a mitzvah and because of circumstances beyond his control, he wasn't able to fulfill it. So then we can say that this chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he's going to give us credit for a mitzvah in spite of the fact that we didn't do it, actually applies only to those who are obligated in the fulfillment of, of the, of the mitzvah. So those people who are obligated to do a mitzvah, their Akadish Baruch does this chesed in order that even in spite of the, the, the barrier played in the way, in, placed in their way, they should be able to fulfill their, their obligation. However, those who are not obligated to fulfill mitzvahs, such as the, the non, the non-Jews, so, there's no need for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do with them this kind of chesed. And therefore, when they want to fulfill a mitzvah, and because of an oinus, they were unable to fulfill it, there, for them, it's not considered as if they fulfilled the, the mitzvah. So once we understand this, this concept, now we can perhaps give a very interesting and insightful explanation into why was it that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted so much to actually set foot and go physically into Eretz Yisrael and to fulfill the mitzvahs in real terms, actuality, and not to to rely just on the fact that, well, I want to go, and HaKadosh Baruch was not allowing me to go, and therefore I, I, it should be considered as if I did all the mitzvahs. Because so long as Moshe Rabbeinu never actually entered into Eretz Yisrael, so therefore, he's not yet chayev in the mitzvahs. No one, you're only obligated to the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael when you are actually in Eretz Yisrael. Standing on the other bank of the, of the Jordan, he's not getting Israel, and therefore he has no obligation to do the mitzvahs. Therefore, this, this, this concept of oines, being like someone who did the mitzvahs, applies only to someone, as we just said, who's obligated to the mitzvahs and can't, then Hashem does a chesed for him to consider it as if he did the mitzvahs. So that's why Moshe Rabbeinu needed to actually go into Eretz Yisrael, to enter Eretz Yisrael, so that he could enter in the realm of being obligated in the mitzvahs, and then, if he, if he was obligated in the mitzvahs, and then for whatever reason he wasn't able to fulfill them, then he would get the full credit. Uh, uh, for, for the mitzvahs. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu, what? Why, why do you want to go to, to Israel? Are, are you going just to get the reward? It says, Malalecha, consider it as if you did the mitzvahs. In other words, now I'm going to add a new dimension to this chesed, that the chesed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does with Klai Yisrael, that uh, an oynes is considered as if a person has done the mitzvah as regards the mitzvahs is even in the case where a person is not obligated to do a mitzvah. He wants to do it out of his own volition, not because he's obligated to do it. And even then, if he's forced beyond the circumstances, beyond his control, and he cannot do the mitzvah, the chidosh here is, even then, he's going to get reward for it. And then we can begin to understand the whole story involving Rav Hershmer Rimenov, because we know that, that uh, he used to tell over the following story every every year when he sat in his in his sukkah, and the story went as as follows: there was a particular chosid that after the chag of, of sukkahs, 
he decided that he was not going to leave the sukkah. He was going to remain in his sukkah the entire year because it, of, of the great kedusha of 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 of, of the of the sukkah and, and 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 how precious the mitzvah was. He decided he wasn't going out. However, when it came the dark days of of winter, and there was a huge huge snowstorm, and he simply couldn't couldn't bear. The, the, the cold and, and he had no choice and he left, he left the, the, the sukkah. But a little bit later, he actually was very, very, very regretful. He felt very, very bad on the fact that he left the sukkah just because of a little bit of weather. And he took an oath that the next year, I don't care what's going to happen. He said, I, on, on no circumstances, Am I going to leave the sukkah? And that's what it was, that he did not leave his sukkah, even when it got incredibly, incredibly uh, uh, cold, and, and when he felt that he just couldn't do it anymore, a miracle happened. And a, a cloud picked him up together with all of his family and brought them to a different land where the weather was much, much warmer. Now, the question is obviously, what purpose is there in sitting in a sukkah after sukkah is over? The mitzvah is finished when, when, when sukkah is over. And in fact, there's very, very likely a prohibition about tosif, of adding on to a mitzvah illegally. The mitzvah no longer applies. You're only supposed to do the mitzvah on sukkahs. Right? But Moshe Rabbeinu, because of his desire to go to Eretz Yisrael, he fixed for all generations that when a person has a tremendous desire to fulfill a mitzvah, even if he's not obligated to do it, for instance, that it's not the right time for it, nevertheless, it's going to be considered as if he fulfilled the, 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 uh, the, the mitzvah. This is such an important idea because we know that the whole world only exists because the Jewish nation decided to accept the Torah. In fact, uh, Hashem said, Hashem made a condition with the world that He created and said to them, if the Jewish nation accepts the Torah, great, then you can carry on existing. If not, I'm returning the world back to its pre-creation uh, non-existence. Now, there are thousands and thousands of worlds that exist because of the mitzvahs we do. Now, there's so, so many mitzvahs we only do very, very, very occasionally. How often do you blow shofar or sit, or sit in the, in the sukkah? Maybe once a year, sometimes even less we do things like. Yet, they keep the world going. Why? Because when a person thinks about and has a desire all year long to fulfill the mitzvah, it's as if he actually fulfilled them. Let's spend our time thinking about it. the mitzvahs we really want to do and maybe we can't do them. Obviously, if you can't do them, you must do them. But when we think about mitzvahs and we plan to mitzvahs and we have a desire to mitzvahs, that's tremendously, tremendously, many likable in the eyes of Hashem. This is 101.5 FM. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchos Shabbos segment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 1.95, this is Soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Re'ei, Tov Shin Pei Gimel, Shabbos Mavarchim of Kodesh Elul. In the past, we're told that people used to shake and tremble when they realized that this coming Shabbos was Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos Mavarchim of Elul. Elul, knowing full well what it was and the import of getting ready for Rosh Hashanah, People used to get scared. I don't know if too many people do that say, but it's certainly, definitely a wake-up call that we have to start doing what we have to do to get ourselves ready. And I'm not talking about cooking. I'm talking about kind of getting our minds in, in, in sync and thinking about how we've fared during the past year and where you want to go in terms of, of, of next year. But let's talk about Hilchas Shabbos this week. It's a lot safer and not not quite as uh, touchy for for people as you always do at this point. Let's talk about the details of this coming Shabbos. So this afternoon, the earliest time to light Shabbos candles will be at four thirty-six, 
436 is the earliest time to light your Shabbos candles uh, today, which means that we have can we can get our Shabbos started, you know, and this is, as I say, Shabbos of Baruch and Elu. Let's show our Kodesh Baruch Hu that we're serious about trying to end that last minute crazy rush of our Shabbos. We want to get things started early. So let's make an effort for, to go for that, for that gold and, and, and get the Shabbos candles on as early as we can. Get our homes ready. Get everything organized. You know, load shedding, low load shedding. This week it's probably, uh, uh, uh not as serious as other weeks. We can get the food hot, we can get our house set up, we can get everything ready and, and allow the beautiful, beautiful Kedusha of Shabbos to enter our, our homes at the first possible moment. Yeah, you might go to shul a bit later, but you can sit and relax and, and just unwind even before one goes to shul. One doesn't have to sort of rush into Shabbos, straight from the shower into, into shul. Sit on the pile, you know, in the olden days they used to, as I say, they used to sort of finish their Shabbos preparations at about lunchtime. And then they would uh, kind of sit on the porch and say Shira Shira and get their minds and their spirits and their bodies ready for, for Shabbos. Okay, we don't do that, but let's at least aim for the earliest possible time. If you can't, if you can't make that time, then the latest time for Benching Lich tomorrow is at 5.28, 28 minutes past 5 is the latest time. And that we have to, as I always say, view as our absolute deadline. You must be done by then. The keys should be away. The house should be lit and ready for Shabbos. Ideally, you should be in shul at that time to Davin Mincha with the, with, with the, uh, with the, <coughs> with the minion. Shkia. Therefore, it's at 5.46, 5.46, just past quarter to six. And therefore, if you want to daven minor at night without having to repeat Krishna, then you only have to wait till about 6.04, four minutes past six. And that's already night. You can daven minor, say Shema, and come home and really sit down to a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos meal. <laughs> with the family, with some good Torah and some good Zemiris and some good conversation. Talk about the week. Talk about the amazing things that happened during during the week and make it a really, really pleasant, warm, you know, congenial kind of evening. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Re'e. It's quite a long lane, lots of really, really interesting topics uh, in, in the Pasha. Have a chance before Shul, after Shul, to look at it, to look at some of the major uh, topics there. The parsha is very, very long. The Haftarah, which is the third of the special Haftarahs of comfort <coughs> between Tishbab and Rosh Hashanah, is actually quite a short Haftarah from the 54th Perik of Yeshaya. And of course, as advertised, this week is Shabbos Mavarchim of Chodesh Elul. Uh, Rosh Chodesh will be on Thursday and Friday of this of this week. So already on Friday we're going to start blowing shayfar and saying David Hashem So get get uh, get ready because it's Shabbos uh, We don't say Avorachemim in in the in the davening. And of course because of Shabbos Avorachem, whatever special programs your shul tends to have on Shabbos Avorachem, be it a chalun, be it a shir, whatever it might be, certainly take advantage. Of, of that. The day Baruch Hashem is getting a little bit longer. We are going to say the fifth parak of Perkei uh, this, this, uh, this week. So let's study that a little bit and get, get a little bit into, into, into that. And, uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 619. 19 minutes after six is the end of Shabbos. And then we go into the last week of Av. And as I say, get ready for, for a, a, uh, Rosh Chodesh Habaleinu Litoiva in, uh, on Thursday and, and Friday. We are, have started a couple of weeks ago a discussion of the Molocha of Boirer, of separating. And we discussed already what type of separating is, is per- permitted. What are the three conditions that are necessary for separating to be permitted? On, on, uh, on, on Shabbos. And the truth is, the concept of, of taking and separating two types of foods which are mixed together is also forbidden on Shabbos because of the malacha of, of Bayer. 
and even though both of them are perfectly fine and edible types of foods, since they are two different types of foods, and you are interested that each one of them should be separate. You're not interested in having a mixture. You want them somehow separated. So that actually turns out that each specific type is considered by him as undesirable in terms of the other one. If I, if I have two pieces mixed together and I only want one, then the second one, as succulent and as, and as delicious as it might be, as far as I'm concerned, it's actually sightless. It's, 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 it's useless to me. And therefore, when you separate them, you are fixing it up, you are correcting the situation that you want to exist. And therefore, you would violate the prohibition of, of, of Blair, as the Shulchanan says in, in, in Simon test. Therefore, if let's say you have a mixture of, I don't know, nuts and, and almonds, different kind of things, and you want just, let's say, the, the peanuts, whatever it is, that's all you want. You don't want any of the other nuts. So those uh, nuts are there, as far as you're concerned, those are considered that's considered the edible matter and the almonds and all the other things that you don't want currently that's considered like refuse it's not what you what you want and therefore you would be allowed you'd be permitted to take out the nuts that you want from amongst the almonds in order to eat them straight away because that is normally the way one eats. One picks out what one eats and what one wants to eat and eats it directly. But if you're going to remove the unders the so-called undesirable food, I in this case the almonds, so then you are separating them in a way that is runs foul of the concept of of bayra. and and therefore you'd be violating a, a total prohibition. Now, if you want to, let's say, serve uh, in front of your guests, you want to serve uh, the nuts uh, separately and the almonds separately, they're now mixed together. I want to serve them as, let's say, two separate uh, bowls. So then, in that situation, both of them are considered edible food. I want nuts I want the almonds. I just don't want them together. I want them to be in two separate dishes. And therefore, I can separate them one from the other in order to serve them straight away in front of my guests in two separate containers or or bowls, whatever it is. However, it would be forbidden to separate them in order to serve them at some point later. It has to be right Right now, as as the as the Nishuknor says in, in Sif Sif Gimel, there. Now, any food that has a, a distinction in its taste is considered like a separate type of species. Therefore, if I have uh, pieces of meat, some of which are roasted, mixed together with pieces of meat, let's say that's cooked, or pieces of of chicken. That are mixed together with pieces of of, uh, of of turkey or something like that. So then, that's two different types of food that you would be forbidden to to separate them. But when all the different types of meat are from the same type, but let's say there's some that are bigger and some that are smaller, so then there's no prohibition to separate between the larger pieces. And, and the smaller pieces, says, says Ramal. We're going to come back with some final comments after break. This is 11.9, Chai FM, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 1.9 sold the soul back on your new era of Shabbos Kodesh Pashas for eight tough shin pay gimel as you prepare for another amazing Shabbos Shabbos Mavarchim of Kodesh Ella we're talking about some of the laws of the Malacha of Mboire and of course 
the prohibition of separation exists only when the two species are actually mixed together. But if they're, let's say, placed next one next to each other, and they're clearly discernible, so then there's no prohibition to separate them. Let's say, for example, you have in front some, some nuts, and you have some almonds, and they're all mixed together, and we say, and you want to eat straight away just the, the regular nuts, so you're allowed to take the nuts from amongst the mix, from out of the mixture. However, since you don't want the, the almonds, you cannot take out the almonds. But let's say that you have a dish with different compartments, let's say, and they're placed next to each other. So then I can take all the almonds out in order to just serve, let's say, I want to serve the, the just the nuts. So I can then remove, since it's separated, there's no mixture, I can remove the thing I don't want to serve now and serve the thing I want, because that's not separation. Since they're not mixed together, there's no prohibition of a boira in that, in that, uh, in that situation. Right? If I have, let's say, uh, pieces of, of fish, from different types of fish that are mixed together. So again, the laws of Bayra would apply there. And I'd be allowed to take those pieces that I want to eat right away. And it would be forbidden to take out the pieces that I don't want to eat right now. Even though they might be bigger or nicer. Right? If they're mixed up one with the other, I, I can't. And I, I'll have to uh, sort of make an effort and search for the pieces that I want and take those, right? Because the, the, the Dean of Boira does apply. But if all the pieces that he wants to eat are sort of placed, let's say, on the bottom, on, on the bottom of the bowl, and the pieces you don't want are on top, so you'd be allowed to move the top layer of the pieces you don't want in order to take the bottom ones. Because since they're organized, right, one, one, uh, one species on top and one underneath, so in that separation there's no iser of, of boiler, says the, says Ramon, and I can take off the top one to get to the, to the, uh, 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 bottom, bottom one. Okay, and uh, we're gonna stop here, and Reza Hashem will carry on with this discussion next week. In, in the meantime, I just want to thank all of our radio family for taking the time to join us, for being part of our, of our show this week and every week. And just to really take the opportunity to wish you all a beautiful, beautiful, warm and, and uh, inspiring Shabbos. Take the opportunity. It's Shabbos Mubarakum Elo. Let's, let's start working on preparing ourselves for, for Rosh Hashanah in whatever way we know how, in whatever way that's best going to get us to where we need to where we need to get to. And please God, we'll be together next week. We'll be actually on Rosh Chodesh El, first day of El, and just to wish each and every one of our beautiful radio family a good, gesund, inspired, and, and wonderfully warm Shabbos Kodesh. Good Shabbos to one and all.